It's went really quiet now. As a church, we can go quite quiet. It's impressive. Now for today, another fantastic cheat. Cheat? Treat. My goodness. That would be very controversial. Now, I'll put your hands together and please welcome our pastor, Jimmy Dowd, to the stage, please. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. The summer's over. Everybody's back. I want to talk this morning about my, 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 my regeneration. Uh, regeneration. And uh, I always like to start with a great, great story. I always like to finish with a great story, a better story. But I thought I'll start with a better story today. Because regeneration or new birth New birth always begins when a spark from heaven touches a soul on earth, and they're never the same again. But this great story I want to start with this morning, a real-life story, is about a man who walked into my office one day. We're having a life group, and I probably, maybe the most broken face I've ever seen in my whole life. And I, even though I'm a faith man, I had a little question. I did have a little question. Will I maybe see a smile again on this man's face? You have that. You have that. Even if you're a faith person, you go, woof, this guy is broken. Well, today I'm happy to invite that man and his son up to the platform because he's got the biggest, cheesiest grin you've seen in a long time. Give it up for Marco and Michael, please, guys. Come on. Set the scene. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, I will set the scene. Uh, starting starting uh, mountaintop that we heard about, uh, the, good, the good bit here. Um, for 22 years, I was part of a Christian drama ministry, and the Lord blessed us. 20, 11 of those years were in the United States, and that was all preparation for here. The Lord moved, moved us over here in 1991, and for 11 years from two, uh, 1991 to 2002, part of a, a drama ministry that the Lord blessed incredibly. Um, he opened incredible doors. It's like, wow, getting into places no one thought we could get into, talking about Christ, preaching the gospel. We were in schools all over the United Kingdom, from Shetland to the Channel Islands, Ireland, Northern Ireland. We were in IRA territory. We were in in schools where the, the RE teacher was an, an atheist, but we got in. We got uh, we, we, incredible things, uh, preaching to thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. And I remember thinking, rather foolishly, I remember thinking, you know, this is sort of easy. Uh, shouldn't there be some persecution, some kickback? Shouldn't there be some problems coming our way? Because this is like fishing in a barrel. It's like we push the door and it opens. We're going into all these places. Shouldn't there be some trouble that comes back on top of us? Um, sorry. Uh, 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 bullet points. <laughs> I'm not going to go into all the details. Um, uh, six gut punches. Life-changing gut punches. Um, uh, three of which, I'm not going to go into all six, but I'll talk about 
the ones that specifically, uh, 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 well, they all affected me, but, but uh, um, um, my, my uh, wife uh, decided to divorce me. It would, a thought that never entered my mind. Um, my son, my oldest son, I have three sons. My oldest son um, announced the, that he was, was homosexual. Uh, he then was then, the, we heard about that priest and prophet of the household, head of the household thing that was removed from myself. I couldn't protect my son. Uh, usually if you have, even if you have a 16-year-old heterosexual son, and they say, um, you know, hey, Dad, I want uh, this girl to come over for the weekend, things like that. And he'd be, no, no, son, no, no. Uh, that, uh, all those type of rules and protections were, I wasn't allowed to protect my son. Um, so things were allowed to go on in the household that I wouldn't have allowed. Um, then my second son, a few years later, announced that he was bisexual. And I walked into Jimmy's office um, in the heat of the battle, and I go, um, all three of my sons are far away from Christ. All three are... So and, and Jimmy not only offered words of comfort, he prophesied. And he says, Marco, he said... Um, all three of your sons are going to testify of God's glory in the church. Today, one-third of that prophecy is being fulfilled in your hearing. Yeah, so uh, as my dad said, I was pretty far away from Christ. I actually grew up in the church for 17 years. I'm 18 now. I'm seven, for 17 years of my life. So 17 years I grew up in church, but I, and I thought I was a Christian. But no one ever told me I could have a relationship with Jesus, and no one ever told me I needed saved. So I thought I was a Christian, but I clearly wasn't. I was far away from Christ. Uh, my life got pretty messed up. Uh, when I was around my friends, I basically I swore like a sailor. I uh, took every opportunity to go out drinking with my friends. I had a porn addiction, and I had, because of mum and dad's divorce, I had emotional breakdowns every now and then. I didn't know that at the time, but that was the cause of it. And so, yeah, I was pretty messed up. But then, last summer, I went to, I went on a summer mission to, uh, to run a holiday club in Coatbridge in Glasgow. And for a thing called Step Out, run by the Baptist Union of Scotland. And so I went on that mission. At the end of the mission, on the Friday night, a long story short, God turned up. God turned up. Ooh, that's better. Ooh. Uh, long story short, God turned up. Uh, I started crying. He poured out his spirit on me. And I was instantly transformed to where I was. I wasn't completely fixed, but there was an instantaneous transformation in me. If you talk to someone who saw me before the summer and then after the summer, they would tell you that I was completely different. And then over the next year, God completely transformed my life, slowly but surely, uh, over the thing, through a lot of prayer ministry as well. Uh, it was an important part. And you can, it was through prayer ministry and through a willing heart. Uh, God 
broke my porn addiction. Uh, he completely cleaned and cleared my mind from it. I stopped swearing. In fact, uh, he pretty much took every swear word out of my vocabulary. I couldn't even like speak it anymore. Like, like even if I tried, I, I wouldn't speak it. Like, it was just completely out of my vocabulary. Uh, do, 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 do. I completely stopped drinking out with my friends. I was sort of, I'm sort of against alcohol now, and my. I got prayer ministry from the divorce and God healed my emotional pain which was causing it and my emotional breakdowns stopped happening and basically God completely changed and transformed me and that's regeneration. But I will say uh, it requires deep broken repentance and a total submission of your entire life to Christ. Well done, son. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. That's worth it. It's worth it. I think it was uh, Lenny Turk in the early years that introduced me to you guys, Rod. Maybe, maybe so, and, and I would have you up at Queen Anne a lot and, and, and uh, bring you here and things, and we're very grateful for that. And uh, great memories from those days. And so I thought that was a perfect testimony preach off the back of. So... Um, New birth, regeneration. Some people call it politely the doctrine of regeneration, but the greatest, the greatest thing in history is when, is, is when something happens like you just heard, the impossible. And we're talking the absolute impossible for dad and son, for dad and son, happens when, as Charles Spurgeon uses the words, a spark from heaven, when a spark from heaven touches earth. I love what he said at the end about the total transformation. Because how old are you now, did you say, Michael? 18. See, when we were around that age and we heard those stories, we'd bounce off the walls. Now, I still bounce off the walls like you or my own son. Everybody gives their life to Jesus. We still, and you ought to respond to that like that was your very own son. But there's another thing inside me that I didn't have then before I became a pastor and before I got old. And that is, as well as the celebration, I have this massive travail that the apostle Paul had. Because... When Paul saw people make it like this, he was so anxious that they would finish their days the way they started, with this explosive love, passion, and fire for Jesus. And so when this was coming up, I'm asking myself the question, why is it that most of your friends will not make it to the end of the journey, if statistics are the case? Why is it that George Barna in one of his recent surveys in America said that the difference in sinful behavior now in America is next to no difference whatsoever between a Christian student and a non-Christian student? And even this week, a new survey came out that the divorce rate in amongst some Christians Cities or cities in America, the divorce rate in Christians is higher than non-Christians. So in the midst of our great celebrations, I've been asking all week, what three tools 
can we give to young people and give to ourselves so that they can finish the journey the way we started? Now, I just, I'm, I still want to not lose the celebration. I think we'd applaud the Lord once more for this great, great. His marvelous is great. But you all got kids, or you will have maybe one day, or you all got grandkids. And the big thing is, yes, as we stand here at the I.O., and he says, I do, and, and she says, well, I'll do you more, and, and, and you go through all that. And, and in the early days, you just enjoyed that moment. But there's a mixture now. There's, yes, there's the joy, and there's a travail. Lord, help them. Lord, give them the tools. Give them what it takes. Imagine if you went home today and you had tools, three tools in your tool bag. You think, well, if I can pass these tools on to my children, there's every chance they're going to finish the race as God intended them to finish the race. And I've every faith and confidence this young man will finish the race because the example his father has set of never giving up. So let's begin this journey and let's begin it with great enthusiasm and excitement because we got to help students get through the first year of alcohol and sex and every other gender attack that's going to come on them massively. I'm amazed how they make it. And, um, but not everyone makes it. And that should not be anything any parent in this room feels guilty or negative about. But they should be enthused that God gives great hope and great tools and great ways that we can help people finish the journey on fire for Jesus the way they started. So we'll begin in Scripture and look at what exactly is the doctrine of new birth or regeneration. Titus 3, 5 in the King James Version of the Bible says that he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Some modern versions don't have the word regeneration, they have the word rebirth of new birth. This amazing, awesome concept, no matter how much trouble you've been in, that Jesus came and made a way for each of us to be reborn. And in John 3, we see a Jewish religious teacher named Nicodemus, and he is visited by Jesus at night to learn more about him. Jesus says this amazing thing to him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, we got baptisms coming up in a, a couple of weeks, and it'd be just awesome for them to go into the waters of baptism with a confidence of what the Scripture is saying here. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And when Nicodemus questioned the idea of being born again or regeneration, Jesus replied, truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. To be born again or regenerated is to start a new spiritual, totally transformed life that began with God rather than a human being. Other passages Back this teaching up in Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2, it says that unbelievers are dead. 
They might be breathing, but they're dead. Unbelievers are dead in trespasses and sins prior to knowing Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 5, 6, it says, God's salvation, the spark from heaven that lands upon them, brings them from death. You're a brave, courageous young man, some of the things you said publicly this morning, but you helped us connect with death. You were in death. Absolute addiction and death, but salvation came. Your dad's prayers were answered. And it brought you from death into life. Such as that, such as the, you're like the horses in the Welsh Revival that they couldn't get instructions in. They didn't understand the instructions anymore because the, the miners stopped swearing. And so the horses were, were, were wouldn't they do a thing they were told because they couldn't understand this new language. True story, I'm told. I'm a believer. Being born again. Let's, let's just sit on that for a minute and not skip. It brings an awesome, radical, radical change in the mind, the spirit, and the body of a new a human being. In other words, you're a 100% brand new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.15. That's worth applauding the Lord God for. Come on, guys. The old has passed away. It's passed away. It's not on the bus. It's not, you know, in the background. How does this new birth take place. In both John 3 and Ephesians 2, we get indications that this change is not the result of works, but the result of faith. Just like an infant does nothing to be born into the world, there is no work a person can perform to become spiritually reborn. The igniter is God the response is ours. And God gives new life by His grace to those who trust Him. And if we're told to preach the gospel to everyone and the ends of the earth, that's why I can't find in my Bible the teaching that only the elect are chosen. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not a result of your own doing. It is a gift from God. What a gift. What a gift. And the truth is, the more you've been in trouble, the more you appreciate that gift. So that no one, and here's the key to this whole thing this morning, so that no one, I'm not sure I've ever really got this, but I, I want to, so that no one can boast. And in that one word, we had to nail on the head of what sets people back. John 3, 16 explains why God offers this new regenerated life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's love led him. Do you know what, guys? You might, your, your boat might be shipwrecked this week. You might even lose your boat like Paul. You know, you might lose your business. You might lose about your health. You may lose some things. Because the good news came to Paul. Paul, you're going to lose that boat. But the good news is you're going to make it. 
And the only thing that matters, don't worry about the boat. Don't worry about the house. Don't worry about the circumstances. Don't worry about the health. The only thing that matters is you get to the shore like this young man with Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. Of course, when somebody's born, it's time for them to grow. You're born a baby. And then comes the fun, spiritual growth. We would be very concerned if a baby was a baby size and baby's abilities stayed that way for the rest of their days. How many people know what a beta blocker is? Sorry, I'm not going to ask you, a beta blocker. All right, well, I, well, I want to look at three better blockers this morning. Because the whole thing about growing in Christ is become like Christ. It's to become like better. But the enemy don't want you to get better. He don't want anybody becoming like Christ. He don't he want to keep your spiritual midget. And if you're allowed to say that word, I'm like you. I don't know what words I'm allowed to use anymore, mate. The PC guys will be on me, whatever I'd say. Whatever the right word is, stunter. And, and the truth is, the reason... Most people don't make it is because of stunting in their growth. The whole point is that the spirit that's in us works in us daily, and we become Christ-like every day. Christ-like every day. Christ-like every day. It's also important to note that spiritual rebirth, it's a one-time event. A one-time event. I was in Kenya one time, and as a lady came to get saved and give her life to Jesus. And she was in a terrible mess, terrible tears. And I thought I'd ask the pastor before I prayed for her. She, she's saying she wants to give her life to Jesus. True story, I was there. And I said, is there anything else I need to pray? Because she's in a terrible state, but she wants to give her life to Jesus. Is she sick or is there something else? He said, no, no, she's fine. He said, the pastor said, she's my wife. I said, I don't know how to handle it. I said, she's your wife. Yeah. I she does that every week. She gets saved every week. I was like, all right, fine. Bye. You know. And I didn't have time to get my truth head on. I just, ah, oh, bless her, Jesus, whatever she needs to. I wasn't sure quite what to pray. She poor, poor soul didn't get it. It's a one time awesome that you never, ever doubt. That moment when the Spirit of God touches you, transforms you, you repent, as you said, to every degree you can, and the Holy Spirit uh, receives you. You are wonderfully. It's a one-off total rebirth. Don't doubt your rebirth. Don't doubt your birth. Don't doubt the Spirit of God is in you. It may not always feel like it, but you have an awesome eternal future with the Lord if you persevere to the end. But spiritual growth is so, so important. In uh, Galatians 4, 12 to 20, we have these great words. It says, Brethren, I beseech you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Paul says, you, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What has become of that satisfaction you felt in that moment? What's happened to it? 
For I bear witness that, if possible, you'd have plucked out your eyes for me, and you'd have given them to me. Now, have things changed? And, you know, I, every pastor on the earth I know feels this many times. For I bear witness to you. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you. Hold on to that line. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Hold on to that second line. It's very important. For a good purpose is always good to be made much of. And not only when I'm present with you. My children, Paul says, with whom who I am again in travail. I hope you're a traveler. I hope there's somebody who's either fell off the wagon, needs to get off the wagon, or don't have a wagon. It's on your heart right now. You're traveling for it. It's a great, great, great thing to do. Root for somebody. There's not a place to root for themselves. My children, with whom I'm again in travail, until Christ is formed in you. That is awesome. He didn't say... He didn't say, I travail, I wrestle, I pray, I fast until you give your life to Jesus. I'm sure he did. Or until you get a good start or you get a good ministry or you, you get a good Bible reading or whatever. He said, until Christ is formed in you. The most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful concept I could think of this week. The idea of Jesus being formed in each of us. And that when people see us or experience our response, it's a Christ-like one. And that goes perfect until the wife says she's no making your tea. And then you realize your Christ-likeness sometimes is a million light years from where it should be. And I'm the same as you in that big time. It's not the big things that get me. It's the little things. And before you know it, boom, your response is not Christ-like. And it takes years and years and years to grow. But there is no greater, more beautiful goal in the life of a Christian to wake up in the morning and go, I want to be like Jesus. In every situation, what would, what would happen if my response was Christ-like? What would happen? And so, I go on and says, I could wish to be present with you now and change my tone, Paul says, but I'm perplexed about you. I think the basic reasons why Christians meet with opposition in the world, the reason we meet opposition in the world is not because of them. Most times, it's because of resistance in our heart of the work of the Holy Spirit to make us Christ-like. Beautiful picture. It's one of the most freeing things in the Christian walk to get a hold of this beautiful picture. God is forming Christ in me, sometimes against me. And what he has started, he will finish as I walk in obedience and fear of the Lord and willingness. So here's better blocker number one. 
And I think if we can help young people, including ourselves, deal with these better blockers, they don't have to fall off the wagon. They don't have to struggle. They can make it to the end on glorious for Jesus Christ. Number one, better blocker. There is in every single human heart an intense, powerful love for the praise of men. In every single human heart, there's an intense, powerful love for the praise of men. Is there anybody in here doesn't like being praised? Be honest about it. Come on. I'd love to meet somebody. Sometimes I think I'm obsessed with it. Sometimes I put the best message I can think of to encourage people on Facebook. And you get one like, the same like every single day, your daughter. You love your daughter, but you're like, that's a freebie. You know your daughter loves you, but you're, looking, you're wondering, is there any other plonker on this planet that loves me? That's the moment you wish your mum was still alive because she'd give you two likes. <laughs> Obsession. I know you're not like that. It's just weirdos like me is like that. Hang about for a wee compliment. You make a meal. It's Christmas Day. And he says the steak pie's cold. And you go, well, if you're that cold... Don't worry, because you're going to be wearing that steak by in a minute. I'll keep you warm. This is obsession with praise. Some people call it pride. Just, someone once said, it's just like apples fall off a tree and they gravitate downward towards ideas and actions which make them look good and resist ideas which make them look small. Apart from the grace of God, we have to deal with this natural opposition within us to give him all the glory, to give him all the glory, to give him all the glory, to give him all the glory. I'm telling you, this is better blocker number one. When you die to the praise of man. Or they didn't give me a ministry. Or they didn't honor me. They didn't show this. They didn't say thanks. They didn't send a card for that meal it took me 30 days to make. You know, it, it's... <laughs> you're laughing Sunday. I know you didn't send a thank you card, so stop laughing Sunday. But here's the thing. Imagine Christ is being formed in such a way we're delivered from that curse. That you know your Father loves you. And His praise is all you need. And the thing is you're doing it for Him anyway. Not for selfish gain. Better blocker number one. If we could crucify that one today. You know, and, and to be honest with you, I'm being hard on you guys. Because we've got to get some sound teaching here. But you know, when you spend all morning doing your kids' rooms... Moms, all morning, tidying your kids' rooms. What took you three hours takes them 39 seconds to undo. As fast as that. They should be Olympic champions at it. But for Christ to be given the seat on our throne and for us to be obsessed with making him get all the glory. 
is a beautiful thing. But I'm happy or sad to confess I feed the pride monster as much as anybody else. Looking over your shoulder, a little compliment, a little this, a little that, a little the next thing. It's a f- fundamental stumbling block that stunts spiritual growth. And if you go through your life absolutely thrilled and overjoyed, we've given him all the glory, and it don't matter if you get one ounce of glory or thanks from nobody, and when it does, it's an extra or bonus, you are a free person. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for that. Come on, guys. Come on. Stumbling block. John 5, 44 says, how you can believe, John 5, 44, very good. How can you believe you receive glory from one another? It's a great verse. How can you believe when you're obsessed with receiving glory from one another, but you don't seek the glory that comes from the one and only God? And I go, guilty, 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 guilty. And God is calling us to be sold out people, to be radically different. Our love for the praise of men hinders us trusting Jesus Christ. Because the purpose of Jesus Christ being formed in us is to remove every single ounce of boasting. You can look up 1 Corinthians 1, 29, 31 on that. Jesus set the tone when on the cross, we got his redemption. He paid the price. By his sovereign grace, he paid all the debt. And he put his own son upon our lives through salvation so he can get all the glory. Psalm 1151 says, not to us, O Lord. We sing it. We sing it. But if it could be formed in us, that doesn't mean, that doesn't give you husband's permission, by the way, never to compliment or praise your wife. (laughs) But if she is obsessed with the praise of God, then whatever she gets is an extra. It's an icing on the cake. Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name, given the glory. In that sovereign work of Christ, past, present, and future, in that sovereign work, God gets all the glory. But we have a big dilemma I want to hit very quickly. Woofed. Is that the time, guys? Woofed. I got to fly. In one thing, saving faith is the easiest thing in the world. As easy as being like clay in the porter's hand. But in another sense, it's the hardest thing in the world because human clay hates being shaped by anybody, never mind being formed by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Judaizers tried to milk this those Jewish Christians that were insisting on living by the law of Moses and circumcision, they tried to screw everything up and bring their slant in. Which brings me to the next better blocker, which is make my name great 
rather than his. Make my name. Do you know, the good thing is I've lived long enough to meet so many Christian rock stars, Christian football stars, Christian businessmen who are all going to make a million for Jesus, who are all going to start a kingdom business for Jesus, who are always going to make, all going to make an album for Jesus, who are going to play the guitar for Jesus like Jesus needs another guitar like a hole in the head. And within one year, you check the page and you see no sign of Jesus on the album or the business or anything going, but you see a face and you see a name and you get, you get what's gone wrong. They've swallowed this thing in Galatians about making their own name great. You don't have to be a star for Jesus. You can be a donkey for Jesus as long as your life goal is to make him the star that he already is. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for that, guys. But so many have fallen for the folly or stupidity of the Judaizers who tried to get the people to shift back from faith to works. Now, I don't go as far as some extremists on this and say that works aren't important. We are saved to do good works, but we're not saved by them. But we don't give good works bad press. We just don't give them the glory for our salvation. But the teachings in Galatians 3, it kind of sucked and catered to that pride. It catered to the pride of making my name great. It catered to the pride of me getting the glory. It's put beautifully. It says, you know what? You foolish Galatians. How many pastors have we got the guts to stand up and say that on a Sunday morning and, and come back next week and there's nobody left? <laughs> oh, foolish Galatians. Steady on. I'm not very PC, mate. Who has cast an evil spell on you? Oof, that's heavy going. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying a bunch of rules, regulations, and laws? Is that how you got the Holy Spirit? That's where they were trying to get them going on. Is that how you received the Holy Spirit? No, you didn't. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed and trusted and had faith in the message of the wonderful, saving Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you got it. How foolish can you be? You started brilliant. Why are you now try to become perfect by your own human effort works? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Nothing worse when the wife asks you a second time. You know, what do you say when the wife asks you a second time? You didn't say I heard you. Because she knows fine well you didn't. You were listening. I'm, I'm the best listener on the tune. Listen on the tune. I'm the worst hearer. I've just got this delete button in my head that just goes, I right, darling. It's deleted before it's even out of her mouth. 
I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles on you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believed the message you heard about Christ. These Judaizers were offering the law as a means of enjoying your pride in a morally acceptable way. And you've met many believers who think as long as they're moral and they speak the right way in things, they're all right. Paul said no. And so this teaching was not as radical and humbling as Paul's teaching. But it was very appealing teaching, this false teaching, to religious and moral people who did not want to submit, surrender, and become putty in the hands of Jesus Christ. If I can do it with my works, if I can do it in my intelligence, in my strength, in my ways, I don't have to surrender. I don't have to do what Jesus tells me to do. And Paul saw this. You're going back to that old thing. And if you can do it, and this is the crunch point, if you can do it with your own way and you've got better ideas than God and everybody else, what you're saying is not Christ, but me. And Paul, in Galatians 4, he continues to try rescue these people from this false gospel. He reemphasizes the point. But in verse 19, it puts it in a way that shows why freedom from the law does not result. And here's a cruncher. I'm telling you, honestly, I see it. This is the bus. I see so many young Christians getting on, and they're in a crash Faith crash before they know it. The freedom from the Lord does not result in a self-glorifying lawlessness. I, tough teaching this morning, guys, but hey, I get in the neck when I don't teach tough. People say, give us some tough stuff. And then when I do, I get it in the neck for, hey, that's too tough. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it's just called being a dad, eh? My little children with whom I am again in travail until Christ is formed in you, become as I am, he says. What? Become as I am. What he's meaning is, like Christ be formed in you. I woke up a week ago with this thought. Why are you stressed out about that boat? Why are you stressed out about that situation? Why are you anxious about this one? What are you fearful about that one? What are you thinking about that worst case scenario? Why are you obsessed with if that thing goes wrong? And a thought came into my head. So what? If every one of these boats sink, don't change nothing. If the only concern you have, the Christ is being formed and growing in you. If that's the only concern, you're going to get to the shore. He's going to be there to greet you and you're going to go from glory to glory to glory because the only thing that matters is Christ being formed in us. Can we applaud the Lord Jesus Christ on that? Come on, guys. Stop, switch off that boat. That board that keeps coming to your head, that board is trouble, that board of fear, that board of health, switch off that boat. They're not important boats. Some of them will blow up, by the way. So let me just encourage you, you're going to lose some of these boats. So what? 
You've lost many boats before. But as long as you don't miss the captain of the boat, there are endless amount of boats of blessing and courage and favor and love and relationships and friendships and health down the road in Jesus' name. I'm going to finish very quickly. Three one-liners. I'll cut half this out. The Galatians, they were hearing a message that was telling them, if you go this way, much could be made of you. Much could be made of you. How many people are on a quest that seems so right and exciting, but the quest is killing them, that so much could be made of me? But what if we switch that to an obsession with so much could be made of him, his name, his salvation, his love, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his kindness, his forgiveness in this land. The stress would lift off you in a split second. So here's the three. That was the last, that was the final better blocker, by the way, the desire to be made much of. To be the desire, what happens when somebody don't make much of you or what you do or what you're leading? Kill it. It's not worth it. Our obsession is to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ in every situation. I realize it's so long, but I'm going to find the last three lines. Number one. Radically, radically, radically apply these keys, biblical keys, and enter into freedom that Christ purchased for you. Number one, take the hands off the clay of your life and yield yourselves into the sovereign hands of the putty former. Yield yourselves into the hands of the putty former. Take your own hands off the clay and yield yourself into the sovereign hands of the putty maker. Can the band just come up, please, George? Two, avoid seeking, looking, expecting the praise of mankind and all efforts to achieve that. The moments I catch myself doing things, and there are many times there are moments, I horribly confess, there are many times I've done things just to hear the words, oh man, you're a kind guy. Actually, the truth is I'm a brutally selfish guy at times. I'm not selfish. I, I bought your coffees and lunch just to hear these words. Terrible. None of you would ever do that, but I've done that. Self-glory. Avoid the praise of men and stop all efforts to achieve praise. Switch it over to an obsession with giving him all the praise and all the glory I tell you, you'll get so much praise and thanks and appreciation, you won't be able to handle it. 
because you can't outgive God ever, ever, ever. Final one. Number three, turn your hearts to Christ and say, I'm not my own. You bought me. Forgive me. Be formed within me. Not to me. Oh, Lord, not to me. Psalm 1151, but to your name, give the glory. I promise you, I promise you all my heart, based on sound biblical doctrine, if you'll give up, if you'll give up looking for that praise, obsessed by it, and seeking ways to receive it, but instead, be obsessed with the audience of one. Man is fickle. Man will say Hosanna one day, and the next day he'll send you to Ibrox. What a kidding. Parkhead. That's it. That's fickle. So why do we get so, why is it such a big deal that man gives you a position, man gives you honor, man gives you this, man recognizes you, man gets you in the band, man gets you in the band. You don't matter. It only matters that the Father loves you like no other human being, like no other child. So much. He's willing to place his son deep within you. He's willing to put his son deep within you and sit back and watch his son grow. And when you're clawed and disappointed and betrayed, what comes out is not your claws, but the blood of Jesus. To those who despise, reject, and cut you up. What a joy. I want to thank you, Marco, and the price you paid. You know what, Marco? You know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But we've all had a million opportunities, temptations. to just dial down? Take it a little bit easy. But imagine finishing your days at 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever day, knowing your peace in your heart. All of my life was about one thing, being like him, loving him, and let him live through me. And every single situation that demands a response, I take the time to ask the question, in this moment with this person, what is the Christ-like response? And to each of and every one of you, I want to thank you because we've all experienced beautiful, beautiful, beautiful responses of Christ in each of you. Can we help each other, guys? Can we just help each other? What it means, whether praying for one another, encourage one another, love one, whatever it takes. We're in the same boat together. Can we just help each other become more like the one and only King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus of Nazareth, gave us salvation, gave us care, gave us power, gave us forgiveness, gave us 100% regenerated new 
birth from the throne to earth. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you guys.